Welcome to Clarity Fund Podcast. I'm Dr. Owen Anderson, and I'm continuing a series I started last time on the death of the academy. And I want to continue that here in looking at maybe some particular dis- disciplines within the academy. Remember the overall idea, because someone might say, well, that seems pretty uh, serious, the death of the academy. Couldn't you just say that the academy's having a hard time or the academy's going through some challenges? Why would you say the death of the academy? Well, uh, for that, you'd have to revisit the previous uh, discussion to get a full answer. But briefly, you could say, well, the academy sought out to provide meaning and it hasn't. It's provided the opposite. And insofar as meaning brings life and meaninglessness is death, then the academy has uh, fallen into that condition. And I use the example of Cicero because we find Cicero lecturing in the ruins of the academy. This is literally the physical ruins of the academy in Athens. And he's there after it's been uh, destroyed and he's continuing with the idea that maybe he can reinvigorate it. He wants to continue the ideals of the academy. And that's why I'm using the, the phrase death instead of challenges because someone could say, look, the things that are happening in the academy, we just need to do more of the same. More of the same. We fall on hard times, but not due to any of our own fault. It was due to external challenges. And if we just continue doing what we're doing, maybe even be even more committed, like Cicero might say, let's just be even more committed. Let's recommit ourselves to this. Now, in, in uh, contrast to that, I offered the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17, because he went to Mars Hill in Athens, where the philosophers, the, the intellectuals, like to gather and talk. And there he found the descendants of Cicero, the Stoics, and he found the Epicureans, and they were stuck in a, in a deadlock. The Epicureans and the Stoics. And in, in many ways, that's the same kind of deadlock we see today. And the Apostle Paul offered a solution. It wasn't to continue to build on their foundation and just do better. It was that the foundation they were building on was the wrong one. And it had come up short. It ended in this deadlock, this antinomy of Epicureans and Stoics. And we see something like that today. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that today, the contemporary times. So we've looked at Cicero in the ruins of the academy. Paul, still in the ruins of the academy, I say, no, there's lots of people there. There's, there's, there's not just Cicero lecturing. Now you have lots of people there lecturing. Well, yes, but it's the same thing. They haven't made any progress. That lack of progress is what denotes death. Time spent on a problem, no solution. In fact, what you come up with might actually be an anti-solution. It, it's increased the problem. That's a kind of death, loss, emptiness, meaninglessness. Now, in order to look at the condition of the academy, I want to consider some different disciplines. Today, we're going to look at theology. And I'm doing that on purpose because this, this is said sometimes to be the queen of the sciences. This is the pinnacle of the sciences. It is studying the highest knowledge you can have. And so that theology might, in the past, have looked down on other disciplines, which are just working on techne, practical solutions for practical problems, whereas theology is looking at the eternal, what is lasting, permanent, never changing. And I'm going to connect that up to the goals of the academy in a moment, because that's the original goals of the academy before it was called theology. 
But you can see though, right, how theology might have a very high view of itself and look down on other disciplines. And then now it's reversed. Now, the very fact I'm bringing up theology, someone could say, oh, I thought you were talking about the academy. We don't teach theology. And that's true for most universities. If they teach anything like that, it's called religious studies on purpose because they're taking a skeptical stance about our ability to know God. We don't even know if there is a God. We're just going to study humans doing religion. We're not going to actually try to make progress on the religious questions like God or come to know God in a greater way. We don't know if there's a God, probably isn't a God, so we're just going to study what humans do when they worship or talk about God. So that's religious day. So someone could say, not only is theology not the queen of the sciences, it isn't even at the universe anymore. And that's right. And that's part of the question. What happened? How did it get dethroned? Well, one piece I'm working with here is that these changes, whether it's in the academy or it's in theology, are self-inflicted. The academy is not in its current condition because of external challenges, although there are many. The academy is in its current condition because of self-inflicted wounds, its own failure to arrive at knowledge and meaning of basic questions. And so this will be true of theology also. It's not because society stopped valuing theology and now they just want iPhones. It's nothing to do with that. That shift in values, in fact, might be a reflection on theology. Because theology failed to provide meaning, people lost interest in it. And they looked to other areas of life where they think maybe that will provide meaning. So this is quite a change. Going from the pinnacle of the sciences, which looks down on the practical sciences, like law, medicine, uh, uh, physical studies of engineering, things like that, looks down on those. Now it's reversed. Those are the pinnacle. You want your kid to come home and tell you, I want to be a medical doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an engineer. You don't want your kid to come home and tell you, I want to be a theologian. They say, well, well how will you get work? Because I didn't say pastor, right? Because you understand, okay, people are pastors. They have jobs as pastors. Theologian? I mean, what are you going to do with yourself? That, that's a hobby. It's not a job. So how did we get to that change, the death of theology? Well, I'm going to give some examples. I'm, I'm going to give a, a generic example from a talk I recently heard by someone who's a chair of theology at a prestigious school. But I don't want to go into names or anything because it's not relevant to the purpose here. It could be a distraction, in fact, because then you think, well, this is a, a debate. But it's more like looking at what this person said the purpose of theology is in the academy. For the student, theology should bring about a greater religious self-understanding. Now, that's just like religious studies. That's just secular religious studies. There's nothing, nothing theological about that. You could say in one way, a humanities education, one of the goals of humanities education is greater consciousness. That's this, this religious self-understanding. So knowing yourself better, knowing the, knowing the beliefs you hold, the tradition you come from, and what that tradition has done in the past and what it is doing now. So greater self-understanding. But that's not uniquely theology. You could do that without pursuing theology. In fact, that sounds like, like I said, just religious studies or humanities. Because the person said that this kind of thing does not require a commitment to any creed or worldview. Yeah, that's right. Anybody can, can grow in their self-understanding. What do I think? Now, that doesn't help us with this problem of knowledge, does it? I don't just want to know what do I think. I want to know, do I think, are the things I think true? So we don't just want greater consciousness 
We also want greater consistency. And not just consistency at a less basic level. Like I say, it's important to go to church on Sundays, but I don't go. I need to be more consistent. No, not that. Consistency at the basic level. Are the basic beliefs of the religious view you're talking about coherent? Does it provide knowledge or is it is it uh, ultimately inconsistent and therefore meaningless? So it's not just growth in con- consciousness, it's growth in consistency. Otherwise, growth in consciousness just contributes to the kind of death I'm talking about. And then uh, the person said that this does require, what theology will require, is commitment. It doesn't require commitment to a creed. It does require commitment to normative questions of perennial importance. And, and some examples will come up in a moment. So normative, we ought to do this. We ought to do that. Interestingly, somehow, this professor was able to divorce commitment to a creed, to beliefs, from the commitment to how we answer these perennial normative questions. But wait a minute. The, the, the way we find answers, the way that what someone says about those, when someone says you should do this, you shouldn't do that, is a reflection of their creed. So before we can get into and be committed to answering normative questions, we would have to be committed to answering creedal questions. Which basic beliefs are true? And different worldviews, because this professor said it doesn't require a commitment to any one worldview. But wait, different worldviews are going to produce different answers to the normative questions. So we'd have to do that first. So see how the order has been changed now. And this is going to be a reflection of the death in the academy. The order is at answering normative problems, which many times become simply practical problems. And I'll show you as an example in a moment, the examples that were given. But the belief questions and meaning questions aren't answered. This is the same thing the Apostle Paul encountered in Athens. Epics, uh, Epics, Epicureans and Stoics are arguing about normative questions. How should we live? What's a good life look like? Should we pursue pleasure or abstain from pleasure? But their answers to those questions are reflections of their answers to more basic questions about the nature of reality. For example, the Epicureans say only atoms and the void exist. The Stoics say there's an eternal uh, cycle, eternal return of all things. You're never going to come to an answer about normative questions between those two until you've addressed those questions. And it turns out the Apostle Paul says they're both wrong. And that's how the stalemate is broken is by realizing you're both building on the wrong foundation. You're both coming out of Greek uh, dualism, Greek materialism, and this has resulted in this dead end. In contrast to that is belief in God the Creator. So here, theology in the Apostle Paul is providing life, a solution to the dead lock, death lock. God the Creator, and he starts there with the foundation. The very first thing he says to them is about God the Creator and therefore the eternality of God. I start off that way by saying theology gets us to knowledge of what is eternal. Only God is eternal. And the Apostle Paul was noting the idols in Athens, the false representations, the misrepresentations of God. So far from saying it doesn't require a commitment to any creed or worldview, 
Yes, it precisely does. There are idols, which are misrepresentations of God, and those have to be discarded. But one of the practical now, so going from uh, this theologian, very prominent, holding a very important chair, saying, it doesn't matter which creed or worldview you hold to. All, we, all that it does matter is you have normative questions. Now getting into some of those. What does theology do? Well, theology brings us into conversation with other faith traditions and other disciplines in the academy. So the goal is conversation. You know, conversation. For might say, well, that's not the goal. I might say the goal is better understanding. And that's had through conversation. Well, it depends. If the conversations are aimed at consciousness and consistency, yes. But I, I think from what is said here, they aren't. They're aimed at maybe greater consciousness, greater awareness of what other disciplines teach, what other faith traditions teach. But you don't have to be committed to any of them. And, and none of them are saying, none of them at the basic level are, are rejected as false. In fact, that's one of the things that he is going to suggest here is a commitment to pluralism. And so theology is in conversation. The theologian, perhaps in some sense, the theologian says they're a Christian, uh, leaving it open if someone is a Christian or not, just because they say they are. But the Christian studying their tradition talks with other religions studying their tradition and just comes to agreement on practical problems they can work through. Well, that's certainly not how the Apostle Paul approached it. Uh, religious pluralism in Acts 17. No, that's the uh, that's the end. It's all over at that point. You've agreed you don't know anything. All opinions, that's all there are, is opinions. And, and opinions are all equal, therefore. As opposed to, no, the point of the academy was to come to knowledge. And at this point, we're no longer doing that work. And so, moving from there to say the, the theology has, this theologian said, a public role by supporting the ideals of a democratic society and specifically political liberalism and the problems that political liberalism is concerned with and is specifically named sustainability, global sustainability. And that what the theologian needs to do is help with an economic and social systemic change toward this kind of sustainability. And theology can do that. Theology can get involved in that. Rather than theology being about coming to know God and drawing out implications. Because you know what? I, I think if we do come to know God and we understand God the creator, the way the Apostle Paul speaks about him, then we understand the creation as the work of God. And the work of God reveals God and is highly valuable. The, the work that humans have of dominion is not a work of destruction. So I think that the, the, the theology does bear on how, the, uh, how ecology works out. We don't have to go to uh, uh, eco-mysticism or Gaia worship. You can say, no, not at all. But yes, of, of course, you don't have to do those, but you, of course you hold the creation as valuable and want to understand it, not destroy it. But that's because it's the work of God. But that's not the same as what the political liberalism that's being spoken of as saying, and the kind of economic and, and social shifts the theology is supposed to get behind and push for. In many cases, those are a uh, theist. I don't mean atheist. I mean a theist. They're done in the absence of requirement of knowing God. And so the idea is 
that maybe there's a God, maybe there's not a God, but we can get on board with this problem and solve it in the absence of God rather than saying, no, the true solution to any kind of ecological problem or economical problem is only in relationship to how you understand God, basic things. And so let, let me bring that back now. So, so this theologian uh, talking about theology and, and has embraced skepticism. Theology doesn't get us to the knowledge of God. It can't show belief in God is true in contrast to other creeds. Instead, it's one among many creeds, and it should embrace pluralism, skepticism. Well, that's the death of theology then. The goal of theology was knowledge, the knowledge of God. And that was the goal from the beginning of the academy, knowledge of what is eternal and lasting. For Plato, that was the forms. And geometry especially studies those forms. So that's why it said over the academy's door uh, to enter here. Well, I'm confusing it with the, the, the phrase over the door to hell right now in Dante. Uh, abandon hope all you enter here. That's hell, not, not the academy. Although uh, I know that my university does have that saying over the uh, football field where the, the opposing team enters, right? Because we're the Sun Devils. So... Uh, abandon hope when you play us. Um, but instead, this was only those who love geometry may enter. Why? My, my, you know, I think now just of geometry as a math class I took in high school and I say, well, that's just one class I had of many in high school. What is he talking about? Well, because no, geometry is what studies eternal forms, unchanging things. So that, the study of the eternal forms was what the Platonic Academy wanted to do. And it, you can, as you study and you chart its changes, you'll see how those changes are done in the generations that come down in relationship to what they think is in, indeed eternal and if we can know it or not. So the academic skeptic ends up saying we can't know what's eternal. And that's why by the time of Cicero or, or a little further down, the Apostle Paul, the Epicureans and Stoics aren't debating what's eternal anymore, even though their views rest on it. They're just debating on what to, how to live because they're both skeptics. They both think they know, of course, but they can't provide knowledge that would convince the other person to come to know. So knowing what's eternal and changing is the highest kind of knowledge. It's not so, You're not coming to know some changing thing. And even this theologian said that, that we need to get to the perennial important. Uh, perennial questions are important. Yes, the questions are always there. Uh, and then, But then he turns that into political, a specific political orientation, political liberalism. And, and uh, pluralism, skepticism, we can't know. So theology is, in that sense, the foundational discipline for the academy. And I'm going to later talk about philosophy, and you might think, well, wait a minute, I thought you would say philosophy is, and yes, it's going to be very close in one sense because it depends on how they're defined. But theology as the study of what can be known about God is foundational. And this, this uh, theologian said, we're not required a commitment to any creed. So you don't even have to believe there is a God to do theology. You could be an atheist and do theology. Again, that's more like religious studies at the secular university. You're an atheist, but you study what other people do who believe in God. But if we can know that God exists, then why would we be skeptical on that point? We're not skeptical about the answer to 2 plus 2 because we believe we know the answer. But are we really skeptical about what's eternal? Do we, do we not know 
was eternal? Well, that's how the Apostle Paul began with God is eternal and creation isn't. Some things are eternal, God. Other things aren't. That's the foundation of the academy. You start there. You can know that. Now, I don't mean you start there as a, as a bald assertion. Not at all, because some people do that. You have to start there to know anything else. No, I'm not saying that. You can show by reason that only God is eternal. And that's where the that's the foundation of the game. That's where it all begins, the pursuit of knowledge. So that's not uh, religious pluralism. That's a commitment to knowing basic things. And and that that when we use that term, a commitment to, you're getting to what is common among us. <clears throat> what do we all hold in common? Common ground. Common ground is the beginning place. And common ground begins with reason. And this is why, as I said, when I come to looking at philosophy and whether or not philosophy is dead, you might say, well, philosophy is more basic, more foundational than theology. I'll address that later. Don't, don't let yourself get caught up on that problem now. What's basic in the academy, what's foundational is our knowledge of what's eternal. And theology is supposed to study that. Theology does not just study the scriptures of one tradition. <clears throat> Theology studies general revelation, the creation, what all people can know at all times. Theology can show only God is eternal. The creation isn't eternal. Theology can show the creation, the works of God, reveal God to us. And that the knowledge of God through the nature of things is our highest good. So that on the one hand, if we get caught up in only our knowledge of the nature of things, practical problems, how to make a faster iPhone, the nature of electricity. Well, then we've missed it. That's only a small part of we should know. The ultimate thing we should have known is that what the creation reveals about God. And on the other hand, if we say there isn't a God at all, we miss it, obviously. What are we saying? In, what are we putting in God, the place of God? That's what an idol is. What are we saying is eternal? That's the idol. And Paul starts that way in Athens. He saw they had many idols. And in contrast to that, the foundation is only God is eternal, nothing else. So without affirming that foundation, theology will be dead. Or if we continue to build on that wrong foundation, if we say, look, theology's come on hard times, if we just double down and try harder, build faster on this same uh, faulty foundation, no, won't work. We'll still have these problems. For there to be uh, any life, we'd have to build on a new foundation. And we saw how the Apostle Paul laid that foundation in the example from Acts 17. Theology is not simply a commitment to pluralism. Theology certainly can study all the various creeds of the world, but those creeds are in contention. They say competing things about what's eternal, and not all of those things can be true. Theology should help us come to know the student of theology, the eventual professor of theology, should be able to show from general relation, what is eternal and what is our highest good? That would bring life. That would bring solutions to the perennial normative problems. And that would be uh, to start again because the foundation that was being built on is incorrect. So this is Dr. Owen Anderson. Thank you for joining me as we talk about the death of the academy and today, death in theology. See you next time.